0: Hey, let's turn to Judges chapter 15. Uh, in our text on Friday, we said 1 Kings 15, and we are going to look at 1 Kings, but our text, scriptural text, is, is, is Judges chapter 15. Hey, real quick, how many of you do get the weekly uh, e- uh, text on your phones from the church? Let me see your hands. Okay, if you don't, go to CIL.church. There's a place you can sign up for them. It's just a reminder of pertinent things that are happening. Here's the title of my message today. The challenges... And opportunities of early success. I mean, they have both. There's challenges to early success, but there's also opportunities. We're looking at various passages from chapter 15, as we acknowledge 15 years since CIL began. And this has been a wonderful way for us to look at scripture. And today you're going to learn a lot about yourself by learning a lot about Samson. So as you're getting to chapter 15, let me tell you about CIL Forward. We're a church that we're going somewhere. We're not just putting in our time. We're not just occupying space in our city. We're going somewhere under God's direction. And I want you to learn what that means. We have an online option. You can start it today at at CIL.church. And you can start this class that you can go through at your own pace to discover who we are and how you might be involved. But also, occasionally, we have a face-to-face meeting, and that will occur on Wednesday, August 16th. You can register for that on CIL uh, at at Church Center so we know which room to pick. And some of the things I'll talk about are purpose, mission, vision, but here's one of the things I'll talk about is our strategy. And This is what we do. We cultivate small groups. We keep creating small groups. We equip the next generation, children, kids, teenagers, young adults— are a big deal to us. We develop leaders and we embody missions. So that's something that you'll learn more about when we go to CIL forward. Now, let's talk about Samson for a second. Samson might be like some of you out there. He's always trying to get even with people. He's always trying to even up the score. Kind of a guy of vengeance. Like you do something to me, I'll do something back to you. For those of us who grew up in the South, I grew up in Texas, sociologists have done studies and we're very vengeful people. Like we're like, don't talk about my mama or I'm going after you. Or if someone looks at us wrong, they've done studies about this, glances at us wrong, smells at us wrong. It's like, (laughs) I'm ready to fight for honor. This is a big part of some of our cultures. So here's Samson. He was called to defend Israel from their enemy, the Philistines. And he kind of did that, but he did it through personal vengeance. And this is an interesting thing about God. God sometimes uses our quirky personalities to accomplish his purpose. That, that's the sovereignty of God. Like there's bigger stuff going on than just our story. So even sometimes when we're not operating as purely as we should, God says, yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and use that person anyway. It's, it's just a thing. That's why sometimes you hear about people who were healed through a ministry of a man or woman. And later on, you find out, well, that man or woman, they were, they were maybe not living the lifestyle that, they, that is according to Scripture. They're like, why would God do that? Because God loves his people and he wants to heal his people. And so he uses flawed people. That's not an excuse for us because we're called to pursue holiness and righteousness But it is an interesting observation. When we go to the passage today, i got to give this disclaimer. I, I believe that since Jesus, the Prince of Peace, started his kingdom, that wars should be a last resort. I think that violence against innocent people or any form of violence is not the Lord's will. So I read that the Old Testament through that filter. And that's why when I I encourage you to start reading the Bible, I say start with the New Testament because you have to read the Old Testament through the New Testament. So when we talk about these Old Testament stories, they can feel disruptive, to me at least they do at times. So they're metaphors for us. Hebrews tells us that these things are meant for examples for us in life and faith. And so as Samson kills a bunch of people here, that's certainly not endorsing Uh, That kind of response, or even the understanding of God that we have now. But with that said, let's look at Judges chapter 15, and we're going to start in verse 14. The Philistines came to came to meet him. Now, the reason they came to meet him is he had just killed a lot of them earlier in the chapter, in in earlier in chapter 15. Now, here's here's we pick up the story. Now, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully on him. That's Samson. And the ropes that were on his arms and wrists became like burnt flax and fell off. And he found a fresh jawbone of a donkey, reached out his hand, took it, and killed a thousand men with it. Then Samson said, with the jawbone of a donkey, I have piled them in heaps. With the jawbone of a donkey, I have killed a thousand men. And when he finished speaking, he threw away the jawbone and named that place Jawbone Hill. He became very thirsty and called out to the Lord. You've accomplished this great victory through your servant. Must I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? So God split a hollow place in the ground and water came out of it. And after Samson drank, his strength returned and he, and, and he revived That is why he named it Hakor Spring, which is still in Lahi today. And he judged Israel 20 years in the days of the Philistines. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So that's the good part of Samson's story that for 20 years he was a ruler, he judged, he showed good leadership. You know, when I uh, wrote this sermon, I I don't always do this, but uh, one of our staff members, Corey, she's our director of partner engagement. She kind of helps do some data entry for us too. So I don't usually do this, but I I said to her, hey, what do you think about this sermon? And she's a real funny lady, and she says funny stuff all the time. And so she just said, well, I can tell you this, I've never heard a sermon about Jawbone Hill. And I went, yeah, well, I don't think I have either, her giving it. And I started thinking, well, Jawbone Hill— I mean, that could be the name of like a new church plant, like Jawbone Hill Community Church. We're going to knock the devil in the jaw. Jawbone Hill, or Jawbone Hill Fellowship. So Samson was set apart for the purposes of God at a young age, and he had all of the advantages. This guy, if there was ever someone you could predict was going to be used by God, it was Samson. Um, he, He was given miraculous strength to push off the enemy of God's people, the Philistines. He was called to a lifestyle of holiness. As a Nazarite, he had special rules that were just for him, just so that he could be set apart for God. He had every advantage you could imagine, but despite having these advantages, Samson's life, if you read several chapters there in Judges, you'll see that he had a life that was marked by petty disputes, by sexual immorality. And he he married women that God said, those ladies are off limits to you. Started off with talent, but didn't apply the talent. And I think about that in our lives, and this can apply a lot of different ways. It can apply in your career. It can apply in your marriage. It can apply with your ministry. Early success is good, uh, because that usually means you are building off off somebody else. You've been mentored. You've had an opportunity someone else hasn't happened. You found someone uh, to be your spouse at an early age. Uh, you, you got a break in your career early on. And when that happens, that gives us great opportunities to grow from that place. But guys, you know the story, and it's been the story in some of our lives, and, and even in my life, I could say this has been the story, is getting impressed with your early success and not relying on God's power. Just because you get a good start doesn't mean that that strength and power comes from you or it comes from your talent or it comes from your strength or it comes from your wisdom. We have to keep, keep giving the glory and honor to God. And that, that was a weakness in Samuel. And so when I talk about opportunities and I talk about challenges, here's the first opportunity, because I'm going to give you two opportunities and two corresponding challenges. So here's the first opportunity. The Spirit's power creates results. And we we have to remember this as, as flawed men and women, the Holy Spirit of God, when it empowers us in a conversation, when it gives us insight into a scripture or a problem, when the Holy Spirit gives us a talent to sing, or a talent to listen, that's a talent, or a talent to, to intercede, and he, maybe some of you have a gift of intercession, and you have insights from the Lord, it's a gift from Him. This is a powerful expression of how God moves upon the earth. The Holy Spirit comes upon frail, limited, weak men and women and when the Holy Spirit comes, power comes, and a difference is made. And I want you to, to understand this if you've not experienced this, or, or I'm sure you have experienced it, but maybe you've never identified this experience. When the Holy Spirit's power comes on you, it can be an adrenaline rush sometimes. I mean, you can, you can actually feel physically like energy because you know you're doing something good for God. Uh, when you begin to see results, you can feel energy. You, you can feel a sense of excitement of, of, wow, God is using me. He's using me as a parent. Uh, he's using me as a college student. He's using me as a young professional. And, and even though you don't articulate that, it can be an energy rush. And wow, the enemy wants to use pride. To get into our life so quickly. Look at 14 and 15 again. The Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. The ropes were on his arm. Those can be a metaphor for limitations. We're things that are supposed to hold us back. You know, a lot of times we feel like we're held back by our background. We're held back by a diagnosis someone gave us. We're held back by a category we're put in. But when the spirit of God comes upon us, we break those limitations. The spirit of God, the power of God causes the things that bind us to be broken in our life. And this is for God's glory. The ropes on his arms and the wrists became like burnt flax and fell, fell off. Verse 15, he found a fresh jawbone. Now, why is that an important part? Why is it important that it's a fresh jawbone? Because an old jawbone would be brittle. (laughs) It would be no good. So this was a fresh, strong jawbone. And he took out his hand and he killed a thousand men with it. Now, I'll just give you a little extra credit here. A thousand men, you know, the, the, the writer of this didn't count. 998, 999, a thousand. Let me write it down. That's not how it worked. In fact, that word for a thousand is really a word... That means unit or group. And the early translator started saying a thousand just to communicate it's a lot of people. But this is an important understanding. And I use this example a lot. And Our team uses this example in our theology classes to help people understand the numbering system in the Bible. And so uh, sometimes when it says a thousand, it's really just talking about a unit or a group. Like you said, I mean, if you saw someone take a jawbone and kill a bunch of people... You're not taking stats, <laughs> 998, 999. You're just like, whoa, he killed a lot of people. And that's really, really the point of, of this. And so that's just a little plug for those of you who may want to go deeper than a Sunday morning. Uh, our, sis, our three stream school of theology, we talk in depth about things of that nature. And so here he is. He takes this jawbone that, you know, is probably about nine inches, weighs less than a pound. And he can't do much with that, but God's spirit came on him to do something great. You know, I think about the weakness of preaching, the weakness of teaching, the weakness of conversation. Early on in my ministry, I I remember someone telling me just how boring preaching is. And it's like, you know, I don't know. It's like, we we need more for preaching. You know, I don't know if we just, we need like uh, animals up and down the aisles and and roaming lights and flash and all that. I understand that. But I've been amazed at how the power of communication that, at least in my life, what I've received. Like when someone preaches God's word, teaches God's word, something as weak as a, a jawbone of a donkey. I mean, what can you do with a little nine-inch, one-pound weapon? With the power of God, you can do amazing feats. I think about prophetic words the teaching of God's word. Even the conversations we have on, you know, at coffee shops, or even things we text each other with our thumbs. It's like a, it's like a jawbone of a donkey without God's spirit. But with God's spirit, it can do much. With God's spirit. Don't underestimate a brief interaction you have with, with somebody. That's something God put in my heart a few years ago. And he said, He told me, Aaron, don't underestimate what can happen in a very, very fast, quick conversation. Even with someone I meet in the moment. And I'm aware of that sometimes. Like, Lord, there may be a weight on what I say. There may be something, an encouragement that I give. There may be an insight I give. And it's your power, God. It's not my wisdom. It's not my insight, my intuition. Maybe God uses those things, but it's his power that makes a difference. And that's what happened in... Samson's life. But here is the challenge, right? The opportunity is you get accustomed to God's power and you know how to step into God's power and you know how how to pray before you meet with the customer and you know how how to organize your business for great productivity. You know how to manage children. You know how to, how to go into a classroom and do something great. And God's power moves upon you and you're dependent upon the Lord. It's like the first day of school Tuesday when you're dependent upon the Lord. The first day of, of your new job, you're dependent on the Lord. And then you get accustomed to it. And here's the second. Pride rejects God's glory. Pride rejects God's glory. Go to now verse 16. After God used the jawbone to kill this group of people, then Samson responded in a prideful way. Samson said, with the jawbone of a donkey, I have piled them in heaps. With the jawbone of a donkey, I have killed a thousand men. That's not a real humble way to put things. Now, I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but I read other Hebrew scholars. And they say that there are two words that rhyme in the original language. So this was kind of like a, a taunt. This is like, you know, Muhammad Ali, for those of you who remember him, I can float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. Okay. 20% of the crowd remembers that. So here we go. Uh, I remember that, uh, you are, are, are in more current times, Larry Bird. Okay. That was a long time ago too. Larry Bird, <laughs> the ultimate trash talker. So then I thought about, about the, the guy who played receiver for the Bengals, um, Chad, what was his name? He changed his last name. What is it? Ocho Cinco. Man, that guy could talk trash. So I don't know who talks trash today. I think they all talk trash today. Every one of them, they all talk trash. So we just, but no one's famous for it. So this is him kind of talking trash. And what I'm about to tell you, you're never going to forget. So you might wake up, wake up, everybody. You'll never forget this. So one translator said this, that a, a, a modern translation would be this. With a jawbone of an ass, I have piled them in a mass that's kind of what he said. I told that to Beth and she said, we got to get some techno music going. I'm like, no way. That's how I'd get on one of those videos where everybody would make fun of of churches today. But with, so something like this, he was just saying, hey, Samson, the power of God came on him. He took that jawbone. He killed a bunch of people. And then he said, with the jawbone of an ass, I piled them in a mass. Not very humble, huh? This is what happens. We start moving in the power of God, and people naturally recognize God's power through our gifts. And th- this is again not for people on the stage here. Not, not for the famous. This is for all of us. You know, people are like, Ben, you're really good. The Bible calls us to honor each other. The Bible causes us to encourage each other. But we have this we have this relationship where we're supposed to give people encouragement because that's how God encourages people. But we take that encouragement and we give honor and glory to the Lord. In our hearts, in our hearts, we do that. So Paul and Barnabas had an amazing ministry. You know, thank God for them taking the gospel to the Greek world in which we're still influenced. We're we're very much influenced by the Greek world, part of how we think today. Let's go to Acts chapter 14. And I want you to see when the people try to bring glory to Paul and Barnabas, how they respond, because it's instructive on how we should respond. Acts chapter 14, starting with verse 8. In Lystra, a man was sitting who was without strength in his feet. He had never walked and had been lame for, from birth. Verse 9. I know some of you are catching up with me, but I love hearing the Bible's rustle. That's great. Verse 9, he listened as Paul spoke. And after looking directly at him and seeing that he had faith to be healed, Paul said in a loud voice, stand up on your feet. And he jumped up and began to walk around. So just think about this. This is someone who had never walked before. And Paul said, stand up. And he stood up and walked around. Amazing. Verse 11, when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted saying in their language, The gods have come down to us in human form. Now, studying this a little bit, this culture had this belief that two specific gods, Hermes and Zeus, were going to appear someday. You know, I thought about us thinking about aliens are out there somewhere. You know, they may be. They may be. Well, the Bible doesn't say that, so I don't know why I said that. I was just trying to deflect an email from somebody about, you know, there could be aliens because... In Ezekiel 12, it says, says, whatever. Okay. So I think if there were aliens, the Bible would tell us. I really do. I just think we're in the middle. We're at creation. But our country is, our culture, we we are conditioned to believe that. Now, UFOs, those are unidentified flying objects. So I see UFOs every night. I'm like, what's that? What's that? They're flying around. So, I mean, that's that's simple. I mean, the government. there are UFOs. They're unidentified flying objects. Could be a bat. Could be a bug. Could be a satellite. Could be a plane. But this, this, belief that, this belief that there are aliens coming, it's like we're conditioned to think aliens are coming. So these people were, our movies refer to that and so forth. These people were conditioned to believe that Hermes and Zeus were going to show up someday. So now we go to verse 12. Barnabas, they called Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the town, brought bulls and wreaths to the gates because he intended with the crowd to offer sacrifice. Guys, you remember Paul and Barnabas, they went through some tough stuff. They were beat up, stoned. They were threatened, they had to sneak out of town. Don't you think for just a minute, they're like, hey, this is pretty cool. I could be Hermes for the afternoon. I could be Zeus for the afternoon and get all these accolades. But look at verse 14. The apostles Barnabas and Paul tore their robes When they heard this, they rushed into the crowd shouting, people, why are you doing these things? Now look at this. I want you to hear this. Those of you, all of you who move in the power of God, we are people also just like you. And we are proclaiming good news to you, that you turn from worthless things to the living God who made heaven, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. In past generations, he allowed all nations to go their own way. Although he did not leave himself without a witness, since he did what is good by giving you rain from heaven and fruitful seasons and filling you with food and your hearts with joy. This is general revelation. Even though they said these things, they barely stopped the crowd from sacrificing to them. What I want, I want you to see is, you see, human nature we're always looking for a physical God that's why idol worship still all over the world, especially in India. Hinduism is idol worship. That's what it is. That's all Hinduism is. Thou- tens of thousands of idols that are worshipped. Buddha is worshipped. Idol worship. And then we in America, we, we worship athletes. We worship musicians. We throw our hands up in the air for musicians, but not for our Lord and Savior. We, we, we worship politicians. We worship preachers. So, so we have our own gods. So we throw those aside for the living God. You can't see him. And, and you can't touch him with your natural senses yet. But you will someday. But he's a God who made the whole world. Creation cries out to us. The rain cries out to us. The joy that we have through a good lunch on Sunday afternoon a good joke and laugh, this is part of God's gift to us. He is good to us. Paul and Barnabas humbled themselves. Matthew 23, 12 says, Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. And so it is. So it is. Let me just close up this scripture, this passage. I'll give you the other two very quickly. Here's the third Third challenge, the third point, but it's a second challenge. Ministry creates thirst. Ministry creates thirst. When you start doing things for God, you can get tired. Verse 17 said, when he finished speaking, he threw away the jawbone and he named that place Jawbone Hill. He became very thirsty and called out to the Lord. You have accomplished this great victory through your servant. Must I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? We won't have time to talk about this today, but this happened to Elijah also in First Kings 19 after he defeated, or God defeated, the prophets of Baal. He wanted to die after that. There's a thirst. And I just thought some of you are parched. You're tired. You're thirsty. You're worn out. You've been pushed too hard. Either you've pushed yourself too hard or maybe you've been pushed too hard. Maybe you feel like you started so early you, you're married, you, you married young, or maybe it's the fact that uh, you've been teaching a lot of years. Teachers, you're on my heart right now because of starting Tuesday. You've been homeschooling these kids for a lot of years. You've been running a business for a long time. You've been in a job maybe you don't prefer for a long time, and you're thirsty, and you're thirsty. And we want to quit, don't we? Sometimes we want to quit. Hey, this, this, this is common, even even hundreds and thousands, excuse me, thousands of years ago, this was common. Here's my last point today. God quenches the thirst. God quenches the thirst. The challenge of success early is you get thirsty, but the opportunity is there's a well. There, there's a place. There's a God who has surprises for you. And I want you to hear this today. There's a spring coming from an unexpected place. It's a place that you don't expect it to come from. In fact, you might say, I don't know how God's going to restore, refresh me in the position that I am, but there's a place that God's going to surprise you. Look at verse 19. So God split a hollow place in the ground. (laughs) That's cool. There wasn't a river. There wasn't a known spring. There wasn't an ocean. But God split a place in the hollow ground and water came out of it. And after Samson drank, his strength returned. And he revived. And that's why he named that place Hakor Spring. That's why this was a place where God moved. And I just pray over you. There's a thirst. Some of you, because of the longevity of caring for someone disabled, there's a thirst. Because you've been doing the same thing for a long time, there's a thirst. God is the one who will quench that thirst. And he, he, he's going to break something open in an unexpected place. Here's the last thing I want to share with you today. And it's our gospel reading. John chapter 7. Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. The one who believes in me, as the scripture has said, will have streams of living water flow from deep within him.